Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, May 11, 2022. Uh, by the way, the show will debut online on Friday, May 13th, uh, Friday the 13th, traditionally associated with bad luck or men with coveralls who are hockey masks. And, and, yes, and wheelchair machetes, you know. Um, and as, as long as we're talking about horror films, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Mantis is kind of a horror film. It's a touch on the spooky side. I'll tell you what, uh, without jumping into any of my review stuff, I did see a bunch of kids mm -hmm. in the theater when I went to go see it, mm -hmm. and I did not hear any squeals of horror or dismay or any kids running out to use a, a, the emergency restroom <laughs> type situation. None of that. Okay. And uh, there were no tears when I saw it. And these are like, you know, between six and 10-year-old kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, still on the young side. And no one seemed to be scarred on the backside of, of Doctor Strange. So maybe a touch on the spooky side, but a whole lot of fun. And we'll get into more of it later on in the show. Very true. Very true. Uh, speaking of which, Multiverse of Madness opened domestically with $187.4 million in ticket sales, uh, making it the 11th largest opening of all time and the second biggest opening of the pandemic era. That said, I want to remind folks that on last week's show, Aaron and I were talking about how industry insiders were projecting that Multiverse of Madness would sell between 175 to $200 million worth of tickets in North America. Aaron, if you, if you break out your calculator, 187.4 million is that number, give or take $100,000. That, that's the exact number between $175 and $200 million, which is a scarily accurate box office uh, prediction. Harvey in the betting pool uh, won that prediction, and he takes home $100. Good job, Harvey. There, there we go. Good guess. There we go. All right, so it's biggest film so far of 2022. This Sam Raimi film just came charging along at the domestic box office after its opening weekend. Blew by the $200 million ticket sale barrier, I want to say, on Monday. And by the way, just today, the film made worldwide, uh, if you combine domestic international ticket sales, it's, it's a half a billion dollars. So a huge, huge hit, which we will talk at length about the Sam Raimi film on the second half of today's show. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right. Want to take a few moments here to circle back on Moon Knight. Disney Plus evidently is very pleased with Moon Knight's viewership. Yay. I, I was worried about it. I, <laughs> I just want to make sure that we get more Moon Knight in our MCU. And I, ho I hope that it didn't fail. And, uh, you know, people were, were chatting about it online. It seemed like it had a good buzz. But you don't know what the numbers are until the company actually says it did good or it did bad. That's right? the weirdest part about these shows on a streaming service. It's first of all, it's viewership, not ratings. Uh, and then you have to deal with these metrics. Like you know, the reason that Disney is pleased with Moon Knight is because it did 8.65 times more in demand than the average show 
that's being streamed. Certainly from a viewership position, Moon Knight did better than Loki or Hawkeye, but still lagged behind WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, literally in the middle of the pack when it comes to the MCU limited series to date. Hey, for a, a character debut, that's not bad. No. You know, those other characters had history in the MCU. This is the first time mm-hmm. that we've got a glimpse at Moon Knight. So I think that's a, a very good spot to be in on your first outing. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, by the way, Disney did its earnings call earlier today, and Disney Plus gained 7.9 million paid subscribers over the first three months of 2022. They now stand at 137.7 million subscribers, which is up 33% 2022 versus 2021. So again, happy, happy folks there. One little bit of depressing news. Had they stuck to their usual schedule, you know how Disney Plus has done these assembled specials about each of the the marvel studios limited series. oh yeah sure yep it was supposed to debut today but for some odd reason they kicked the can and it's now going to pop up on the subscription service on may 25th so mark calendars folks i'm gonna love to see how they handled the whole oscar isaacs talks to himself during that show sometimes i think they could do just a touch more mm-hmm. with their assembled i mean it's nice to have a little glimpse back Mm -hmm. and not everyone is going to be as diehard as we are that want to see all the nooks and crannies of how the thing works right so we're a very small community to to please Mm -hmm. um and honestly that means usually not worth the time and effort Mm -hmm. but sometimes uh if you have something so special like an actor who's playing against himself two or three different ways Mm -hmm. I think you need to dedicate like a chapter of of, like, you know, if you're going to do two episodes, then just do one whole chapter. That's just about that thing, because the work that he did, the planning that has to go into it, the tricks that you have to use to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Those are all fascinating movie making elements. And those are things that people who aspire to direct, you know, the young people that look at film go, I want to make, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Those glimpses are priceless to them and it gets their imagination cooking on what they could do if given a camera and a a minute of time and money. No, true. Excellent points. Speaking of, of, Behind the scenes aspects of Moon Knight, Jeremy Slater, the head writer on Moon Knight, is also an executive producer in this limited series, told the direct, you know, they were talking about, well, what else did you, you know, was this stuff that got cut? There was stuff that you wanted to do. And Jeremy talked about how they were looking to do a cold opening for episode four. We were just then seeing that they were getting to uh, Amet, you know, in the pyramid to release her. And it's like, well, how did she get bound into that statue form? And so they, what they were planning to do as a cold opening for episode four was this big action scene where the Eternals were supposed to have joined forces with Khonshu uh, back in ancient Egypt as they did battle with Amet and eventually locked her away. And, and Slater talked about he tried really hard to get the Eternals into the show, largely because he's buddies with Kamel Najami, the, 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 the actor who played Kringo. Uh, right. And, you know, and again, it's the writer. He's like, this would be a really cool way to start episode four. But then, you know, he had his executive producer hat on and, you know, with an eye toward, you know, trying to st- stretch the budget of this limited series as far as it would go. And he realized, 
this is going to be hugely expensive to recreate ancient Egypt, not to mention bringing three or four of the actors who previously Eternals back just for this one brief action scene. So it got scrapped. What's so funny about this interview that Jeremy Slater did, he talked about Moon Knight. He goes, well, you know, there's a line in the script that I don't know if it made it into the finished movie, but it's, it's a reference to Kang the Conqueror. Now, the, is it going to be the he who remains character version of Kang, or is it Kang Kang, or is it a different version of Kang? Well, did, did he say which version it was? How familiar are you with the name Rama Tut? Is that King Tut's Mama Tut's name, Rama Tut? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it, the, the supposedly, and I can remember, you know, uh, you know, Kang the Conqueror is a supervillain from the twenty fifth century who has bothered all manner of Marvel superhero by going back in time and changing key events. And supposedly there was a, a story at one time where Kang, in order to really impact human history, went back to ancient e Egypt and installed himself as a pharaoh. And the, the name he used was Ramatan. This is what, what Jeremy says. There was a line in the script, and I don't know if it survived. I can't remember. But there was a line where I think Stephen is sort of rattling off some Egyptian history when he's locked. He has locked away in his brain, and he did mention Ramadan. Uh, I don't remember if that scene or if that line is still in the show or not. But it was that small. It was him mentioning a list of famous pharaohs or something like that. But it was Nick Pepin, one of our executives at Marvel, who whose idea was to slip that in as a fun Easter egg. So... Is anybody willing to actually go back? Because I don't know which of the six episodes this would have been in. But if anybody is going to be uh, re-watching Moon Knight anytime soon, and could you let us know when you hear him mention Ramatat? I think, well, in the first episode, because he was trying to teach the young girl about the the mummy, and there's a point in the first episode early on where... I think they have uh, not like a chart, but like several gods displayed mm -hmm. somehow, maybe on a poster okay, in, in the gift shop or something. But he ends up rattling off some there, I do believe. But then another opportunity where that might have happened when is when they're entering the pyramid mm -hmm. and all the gods are present. Yep. And uh, he, he may end up rattling off a couple of names there as well. So those would be the two places I would look at first to, to find that answer. Excellent suggestion. And finally, to, to wrap up uh, looking our look back at Moon Knight, this is from Jeremy Slater, and he was talking about how early on they really struggled to find a villain for Moon Knight. They went back over all of the comic books, and for a time there was a character called Bushman, who is a longtime established fellow of Moon Knight's, as Slater goes on, he says, uh, Bushman was in my first couple of versions of the script for sure, and we tried several different versions of him. Ultimately, I I had to make the decision to ask Bushman. I went to Marvel and said, I'm not comfortable with this. Can we take him out and talk about different versions? And they were always really supportive. And so we then looked at classic Moon Knight villains. There were a couple we talked about, uh, Stained Glass Scarlet and Zodiac, but none of them fit the parameters of the story that we were, were trying to tell. So we're like, you know what? Let's just introduce a guy and we'll grab a name from, uh, they gave me a list of every villain who ever appeared on Moon Knight you know, or in the Moon Knight comic. And I just went through and said, Arthur Harrow, that sounds like a cool villain name. Let's go with that. Arthur, he's he landed on Arthur as a cool villain name. Well, oh, you know <laughs> that Aardvark, you can't trust him. I mean, I know little glasses yeah. and the yellow shirt. He... I, I know when when uh, I was in school, I was always bullied by that Arthur. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, that Arthur. All right, yeah. 
Uh, finally, obviously, you and I both really enjoyed Moon Knight. Waiting to hear about season two. No word yet. What I'm being told is that Marvel and Disney Plus have now decided to hold off on officially announcing the return of Moon Knight, the series. Uh, well, two dates. Uh, I keep hearing the two specific dates. There's July 12th. That's the day that the nominees for this year's Emmy Awards get announced. And then this September 15th, that's the day after the 74th Emmys will be presented on NBC. And we see if Oscar Isaac takes home you know, an award or not. When was uh, Kevin Feige's retreat to plan out the next 10 years of Marvel? We talked about that. Was it last week of the show before? Yeah, um, I think it's already in the past, isn't it? Yeah. So Okay. So if it, it, my main point there is that uh, if, if he had a retreat, if it hadn't happened yet, mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect them to announce anything until they have their retreat, get their ducks in a row, and figure out what they really want to do okay. in what order and how they... And, and then they once they know, well, we'd like to use Moon Knight in this movie here, and that movie happens to release on this date, and then now we know kind of how we want to tease that because we know how far out it is. So, yeah, if they've already had their retreat, that means that they've had their talk about where they'd like to go for the next 10 years. So now it's just a matter of they they know where Moon Knight's going to show up. Okay. They've got it planned. It's in the cards somewhere. All right. It's just a matter of with, with the, the world of COVID, are we ever going to s- stop with the movie shuffling? Are we going to settle in and... and keep a release date and it's not always COVID sometimes stuff's just not ready to go yet no, no, needs no, no, a few no. more minutes in the oven before it's fully baked so that's a thing too but um, when you've got so many timelines you really got to make sure that you've planned it down to the minute no no I agree and, and speaking of things that are fully baked this past Friday May 6th Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 officially wrapped production writer-director James Gunn took to social media to commemorate this somewhat sad event tweeting that I love this amazing cast and crew and their beautiful, talented, and kind souls. I'm a lucky human to have them on this journey with me for nearly a decade. And Dave Bautista seemed genuinely surprised that his 10 years of working with Gunn went by so quickly. Uh, Bautista took to social media as well to say, haven't found the words yet. It ended so suddenly and I was on to my next film before I could process it all. Uh, End of a journey that, that changed my life. And David is incredibly loyal to James. I mean, do you remember back in July of 2018 where, you know, Disney, uh, you know, because of... Let James go for a minute for a tweet and Dave said, I'm out of here, suckers. No, that's it exactly. You know, know, in fact, looking back on that in March of 2019, this is after Disney corporate changed its mind and opted to hire James. Batista admitted I was contractually obligated to do the third movie. But I think Marvel and Disney, if I had really stood my ground and said, I don't want to do it without James... I think they would have been decent enough to let me out of, of my contract. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm glad you think that. Yeah, they wouldn't have needed no lawyers to yeah, talk it over. It's a handshake, pal. Just, oh, yeah, exactly, a pat on the back. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Yeah, right on. Yeah, but but again, David's been right front about this. He was on the Ellen Show and basically said, when James is done, I'm done. And speaking of done, James also tweeted out, shared a photograph of the very last camera slate that had been shot on Guardians 3. And he said, after over 100 days of shooting and over 3,000 shots, this is the slate for the final shot of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, presented to me by the camera crew. It was an easy shot of, of rocket seated, 
And it took everything in me not to break down sobbing in the spot. Shooting that last shot was a reminder of the warm impermanence of life and love and how imper that impermanence makes it so precious, so valuable, and is a good reason to be grateful for what I have now. He also included uh, this great shot of the cast on a set of couches backstage. And But again, James has a black belt when it comes to social media. I mean, he was very sweet, very sincere with these tweets, but but couldn't leave without throwing one boat hook that, you know, we were all going to grab at and go, what? And he mentioned that, oh, by the way, in this photograph, you'll notice everybody there, all the members of the casting state there, except Zoe Saldana, Gamora. And he said, I, I apologize. You know, I did have a photograph of Zoe. I could have tweeted out, but it was her hugging an actor that we haven't announced is in the movie yet. And so, uh, <laughs> and oh. see now, Jim, Jim, that's the arts of the tease. There you go. That's there the, go. the little thing where you say, Hey guys, we're doing publicity and yeah, we're filming the movie and you know, you, you got to play your cards at a certain point in the hand, right? You can't yeah. just lay them all out in the very first go. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta play it slow. And uh, so, yeah, he gets wrapped up and then you're putting out, oops, I almost put out the wrong picture because that was an unannounced actor, a big famous celebrity that you'll all know and love playing one of my favorite characters <laughs> in the entire universe. Yeah. But I can't tell you about it, guys. <laughs> I can't tell you about it. But if you buy a ticket to my movie, you'll find out. There you go. And, and, yeah. and now we only have to wait a year. Guardians Volume 3 comes out May 5th, 2023. And, and yeah, we're going to be picking at that one. Mystery actor, not announced. Yeah, okay, eager to find out who that is. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of things I am eager to do, I am eager to talk with Aaron about Multiverse of Madness, which we will do in a moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we already discussed how well Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness did at the box office this past weekend, which was really, really well. Uh, 2022's top film to beat, right now anyway. I suspect that Jurassic World Dominion, when it arrives in theaters in four weeks' time on June 10th, will eventually blow by Multiverse of Madness when it comes to summertime ticket sales. I mean, all of those cameos in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness were a smart, smart way to put asses in seats. But will that really compare to the boxes of appeal of having 
the cast of Jurassic World, uh, you know, uh, Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, appearing in a dinosaur-based adventure with, with the cast of the original Jurassic Park movies. Uh, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and, and Laura Dern. You had some thoughts about this, Aaron. I'm going to preface my thoughts by saying, overall, I really, really enjoyed the movie. So while I'm going to be critical of an idea or a concept in general, it does not take away from the film. It does, in fact, add to it. I enjoyed the moment, mm -hmm. but it leads to a serious question of, are we going to have Fonzie jump a shark every time a, a Marvel movie happens right now? Mm -hmm. and the reason that I ask that specifically is the fact that when Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness actually got in theaters. I did not see that as like the number one headline on my Twitter feed. I saw John Krasinski. Mm -hmm. I saw Reed Richards. Mm -hmm. And right there, I mean, I knew something was up because I knew Doctor Strange was out. Mm -hmm. So why the hell is John Krasinski's name the number one trend? Now, what that means is that the the people that went to go see the movie, that was the thing that stuck with them after they left the theater was, oh my God, I got to see Reed Richards' Fantastic Four, played by John Krasinski. And that's what they tweeted. Mm -hmm. Nobody talked about the rest of the movie. They talked about who was in the Illuminati, mm -hmm. what happened to them, even. Mm -hmm. They had no problem spoiling that aspect of the story either when they were on, on Twitter and, and tweeting everything out. Mm -hmm. But they didn't talk about anything else about Doctor Strange. And that's what I find upsetting because if you take the Illuminati mm -hmm. out of the film, it's still a perfectly fine Doctor Strange sequel. Mm -hmm. It's a really good movie. Mm -hmm. So the stunt casting wasn't necessarily required, but I will admit, sure, it was fun. Mm -hmm. It really was. Now, that I, have, I do have a problem, though, that comes up mm -hmm. logistically in my head when I see John Krasinski showing up as Reed Richards. You know what I want to see now is Rain Wilson as Doctor Doom. And I want them to fight because at one time in college, Reed took his stapler and put it in a jello mold and humiliated to, like, come on now. And, th and then when Doom gets upset, he goes, Michael, <laughs> and storms off into an office and slams the door and bitches about Reed. Come on. That could be Isn't that good. what you see in your head? <laughs> when, when, I, when I saw John Krasinski as Reed, that, was, I, that whole scenario played out in my head as Rain Wilson is our new Dr. Doom, but it's not. It's just uh, what happens when you do silly cameos mm -hmm. with no explanation. Because you got to have, I mean, in, in the future movies, Jim, are we going to have an unrelated character show up just to give us a preview of what's in our future? It's not like the multiverse is going to be shutting its doors anytime soon. It looks like they're leaving that wide open mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. So are we going to end up having cameos and guest shots of people we're not going to see in their own movie for another three or four years? This isn't necessarily Marvel doing something new. I mean, it, since the original Avengers in 2012, we've we've had these movies where characters all show up. Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, Captain America Civil War, uh, Infinity Wars and Endgame. That's, tr that's a good point. That's true. Where this got different, though, Spider-Man No Way Home, the gimmick of the three cinematic Spideys, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all in one movie together, Coupled with bringing back this rogues gallery of the best of the best actors who had played villains in various Spider-Man movies. I mean, that was a really tempting concept. That's like, I here is my money. I want to see that movie. How do you keep doing that? You know, I mean, yeah, you could do something like we just saw. You were mentioning, you know, the cameos and Sir Patrick Stewart and, and the like. 
I mean, your focus should just be telling the, the best story you can about your main central character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you feel that you have to do stunts in, in the middle of it. Now, like I said, one more time, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Yep. It's just that I don't want it to be a crutch that they use over and over and over again of, you know, this is what the fans are responding to. Therefore, we have to put that in there. Well, S suddenly does not make your movie any better. It can actually do damage to it if you're just thinking about that component. Now, uh, one quick thing I want to toss in here mm -hmm. uh, about this subject yep. is um, Marvel was okay with going back and bringing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire back mm -hmm. as Spider-Men because we have an established Spider-Man currently in our universe who's got history in, in the MCU, right? So there's no problem doing that. They could not bring back Ion Gruffid mm -hmm. or Miles Teller to be Reed Richards again mm -hmm. because that might imply, oh, this is our MCU version of... Because, I mean, if you think about it, we got Black Bolt from... Yes, yes. You know, yeah. from the Inhumans, mm -hmm. which was, I think, most... Marvel fans will agree mm -hmm. that's the bottom of the barrel right there. And I love Anson Mount as an actor. Uh, yep. He is the best Christopher Pike on the planet. Mm -hmm. I think he's just a tremendous actor. Mm -hmm. I just think that they, they needed something besides gray concrete mm -hmm. for every set and uh, right angles everywhere. And, and I mean, there were, there were some problems there, you know, so it's not his fault. Nope. Nope. But to bring B Black Bolt back mm -hmm. and kind of reconnect to something that was not as popular, like the Inhumans, was not very popular. Mm -hmm. You know, they're okay going back and doing that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to Fantastic Four, it's like, nope, John Krasinski, because we want them to know that we're not going backwards on the Fantastic Four casting. When the new movie comes out, mm -hmm. if they would have had Ion Gruffitt show up, mm -hmm. everyone would have been like, oh, that means Jessica Alba is back. And Chris Evans comes back as the Human Torch. How's that work, right? It would have caused confusion. Yeah. If you go with Miles Teller, it's just like, oh, okay, so we're getting that cast back. But that was the most crapped on Fox movie that, you know, mm -hmm. Marvel movie that they had that ever came out. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to go back that direction either. So you go with John Krasinski, whereas in Spider-Man, you can go back to a Tobey Maguire or, you know, a familiar face like Andrew Garfield, and that's okay in that instance. So, I mean, it's smart what they're doing, what the, the message they're sending with the casting. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's the, this is the biggest fault in the world that we're talking about here. Oh, no, I mean, no. we're really being nitpicky with a, a laser focus on, on a subject of, is this going to be an issue in the future? And if it is, that could be a problem. If not, well, then we're just having fun, and it, and it was well worth the time. Marvel's done basically the same trick inside of six months. Right. No Way Home had this sort of stunt casting. Likewise, Multiverse of Badness. And how many times can you return to this well? But that said, I have to tell you that there were other studios in town who were like, how do we do that? And let me share one quick story here about what I'm hearing out of Paramount. And by the way, you, you, you just mentioned Anson Mount and the wonderful work he's doing on the new Strange New Worlds. Yeah, that's actually a really great show. It's a lot of fun so far. Even only seen the first episode, mm -hmm. but it's super enjoyable. Yeah, but they have been talking uh, since 2016 this is J.J. Abrams, the folks who, who relaunched Star Trek, the film series, back in 2009. And if you remember from the first film, they actually had Chris Hemsworth as Captain Kirk's dad, George. And they were kicking around a script whereby Chris Pine's Captain Kirk would go on a time travel-based adventure 
with his dad, George, with Chris Hemsworth coming back to play that role. And for whatever reason, they couldn't land on a script that they liked. And I, evidently, there were also some salary-related issues, so it got taken. No, wait, that, that was for the next movie, right? Not a TV series. Yes, the next okay, movie. Okay, okay. Yep, okay, carry on. Sorry. All right. Where this gets interesting is that just earlier this year, Paramount announced, okay, we want to do another theatrical release in addition to all these these star trek related series and you know, lower decks and picard and the like that they're doing over on, on paramount plus and chris pine actually met with the the new director of the film matt Shackman, and said hey super cool guy very smart like him a lot on the heels of what marvel is doing Paramount is evidently back to the, you know, Kirk meets his dad in a time travel adventure, but they've added one extra Kirk to the pile, and that's supposed to be William Shatner? Whoa, wait a minute. They Are they puppeteering him? Are they digitally animating him? Or are they actually filming the dude? You saw The Mandalorian of the Book of Boba Fett, right? Where they, they brought yep. back Luke. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wow. So supposedly that's the idea that William Shatner would do the vocal work and would appear on set to help with some of the physicality, but they would then hire a much younger actor. Um, like a body double with a near face that they can digitally take, you know, Swap out noses and lips real quick. There we go. So, but again, <laughs> wow. this is all Paramount wanting to get into the Marvel business. Hey, you know what though? I tell you, you've seen stuff on YouTube about the Tom Cruise deep fakes where it's like some guy at home by himself yeah. spent, you know, yeah. an entire week and he's got this video that looks exactly like Tom Cruise. Well, if that guy can do it, why can't a team of professionals whip that together? Sure. I'm with you. Okay. Okay. So, but again, we're, we're kind of back to where we're in. 2016, evidently, everybody's like, that's interesting. Show me a script and then show me a pile of money. I, I think William in particular is show me the pile of money. So, you know, just sort of tuck that in the back of your mind, folks, that that could be coming to a theater near you in a year or two. But again, that's Paramount looking to get into how do we do cool cameos? How do we bring together the sorts of things that fans want to see, which brings us to Multiverse of Madness. So I got to say right off the bat, I thoroughly enjoyed the sequel. I, 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 yeah. I, I love the economy of the thing. I love how it literally starts with uh, Defender Strange in America on the run from one of Wanda's beasts. and It starts at a sprint. I, that's exactly. Oh, and by the way, as I understand it, we get to meet four Doctor Stranges in this thing. We get, you know, the Doctor Strange we met from the first film in 2016, and Defender Strange, which we, we meet right as this thing is getting started. There's the one that failed that the Illuminati took took out. Which supposedly so is third. Supreme Strange. He was okay. the Sorcerer Supreme in his world. And then there was Sinister Strange, the one in the, the world that had was sort of collapsing in and itself because of the incursion. Ah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, with the third eye. All right, so... And by the way, for Benedict Cumberbatch is going, mm -hmm. eat your heart out there, Oscar Isaac. You played only two characters. <laughs> well, a glimpse of a third in the last one. I played four. No. Four no. beautiful, lovely characters. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. That, that, that's a cool point. That's a cool point. And, and by the way, that as long as we're toting up, collect them, trade them with friends. We, sure, we yeah. also got to meet in the What If episode. That was... 
the sinister supreme strange, the, the sorcerer supreme who went sinister. So that would be a, a fifth variation. A fifth variation. So. Okay, very good. I want to make sure that it wasn't, because they did actually do when they jumped through their little portal, there was an animated version of them for a brief second. You're right. You're right. And I wondered if that, and then I was like, no, because he's locked in a cube somewhere. So that means that there's at least two animated versions of the MCU out there somewhere. Mm. But uh, I, I want to very much get the home video version so I can pause it frame by frame and see the many jumps that they make in that one oh, sequence. because. Yeah. It seems like you go through 20 places in 20 seconds and it's blink, 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 done. Oh, what? Oh, I missed it. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> no, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, but, it was really great. Okay. So we now jump to the scene at the wedding with uh, Dr. Nick West, uh, Michael Sturbog from the, uh, the first Doctor Strange movie, who is clearly not right in the head after the snap. And like, you know, I love the, I lost my two cats. Oh, oh yeah. And my brother. But at the same time, I didn't expect that turn in that bit of dialogue, you know, him questioning Strange about his choices. Is there any other way? Yeah. Yeah. And were there any other choices? And and then the stiletto at the end, you know, greatest sorcerer in the world, superhero, still didn't get the girl. Yep. Oh, I mean, I, and then the, the rueful talk at the bar with Christine, her comment about, you know, you had to be the one holding the knife, holding the scalpel, and, and him, how long you had that one in the barrel? You know, I mean. Quite a while, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, these scenes, and I just want to talk about the structure of the movie for a quick second yeah. here, because, like, if we would have started off without the chase in the beginning, that first two or three minutes of adrenaline, we would have thought this was a very slow-to-start movie, because we're starting off with dialogue, 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 and then then at the end of the wedding scene, there it re goes back into an action scene, mm -hmm. right? Um, but that start of sprinting right off the bat, I, I was taken by surprise by that as being the opening. Mm -hmm. I was expecting a slow, you know, maybe a voiceover of mm -hmm. previously we did this and the results were this and now I have to deal with this and now you're up to speed and we're at present day where he's walking down the street and something happens. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the screen, you know, the the logo plays, the Marvel logo plays, and they're sprinting, mm -hmm. and action, 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 and then slow mm -hmm. for about five to seven minutes, mm -hmm. where you get a lot of exposition and setup for things to come later, mm -hmm. and then back to action. And, and, I, and if it weren't for that thoughtful structure no, of action good. up front, it would have been a slow-to-start movie, and I would have been like, man, this is starting off boring. Mm -hmm. First 10 minutes, nothing's happened. No, that, that, that's an excellent point. I mean, it is it is incredibly well-constructed. I mean, it, it, yeah. the economy, you know, the whole notion of we see the monster in the street, we see Wong and, and Strange save America, but the interesting thing is we have seen Defender Strange start to grab America's powers and, right. you know, he get so she doesn't trust him at least initially. Uh, and so, you know, they take her to Camertage for safety and strange goes off to, to meet with Wanda to recruit her help. And I gotta say, I have seen that trope before the, well, yep. I did <laughs> the, the information given that you shouldn't have. Yeah. That indicates that you are the criminal, the perpetrator of said events. Yeah. I've seen it done many, many times as well before. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way that they acknowledged it, the way that they handled it mm -hmm. uh, immediately, you know, like she goes, I, you didn't tell me that. And he's like, nope. And it's like, okay, they're in on the gag as, as well. Yeah. And uh, it's efficient. It's it's cut very, to the bone. Very. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I also have to say, I, I honestly love 
how this movie plugs straight into WandaVision. I mean, think about it. The very sure. last time we saw Wanda, the last... Was it an end credit shot, I want to say, where... You know, the camera goes... She's in the cabin and uh, she hears the echo of her kids. Yeah, she and, and yeah. she's studying the Darkhold. And when we meet her now, she's in the thrall of the Darkhold and all she wants is a way back to her boys, Billy and Tommy. And, you know, I'm not a monster, I'm a mother. And it's just sort of like... I think on, on the last show you were talking a little bit about the Universal Monsters and you have sympathy for the monsters. Yeah, you understand them. You, you're on their side the whole time rooting for them. Yeah, and so yeah. Wanda right from the get-go, it's like, well, yeah, I just saw her in WandaVision, and yes, you know, she lost her husband, and she had kids for a short time, and then it all came collapsing down on her. So I, I get what her I want is. You know, I want a way to get to my kids. I want to add on to this point here that you're – currently on mm -hmm. before we move off of it that um i mean i mentioned earlier there are some young kids and i don't think it's a scary movie i think it could be spooky from time to time mm -hmm. but the people that i would actually give some small inkling of warning to mm -hmm. eh, for one solid reason is um a parent that may have actually lost a child in some tragic way i would warn that person you may not want to watch this movie if, if that is a, a wound that still mm -hmm. triggers emotions in you uh, you might want to avoid this because this is about a, a, a parent mm -hmm. who lost children who would do anything in the world to get them back. And that can be very, very relatable, you know, yeah. in, in those extents. And uh, you can, I mean, I feel for Wanda. I had all the feels for her motiv her motivation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when she ends up confronting another version of herself, it's just like that mother mm -hmm. loves those children just the same. Yep. And, and that's, God, that was a strong emotional moment oh, it where it's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I think if, I wouldn't warn a parent with young kids, you know, do I have to worry about taking my kids? Yeah, they're fine. They're not going to be scarred. Hmm. Uh, are you, should I take my friend who just recently lost a child due to some horrible accident? No, don't take them. No. Do not take them to this movie. Uh, it's, it's not a subject matter that they need in their moment right now. Absolutely. So absolutely. And that's a, that's a very small pool of people, hmm. but uh, it could ruin, you know, it could make, change your friend from having a good night to having a horrible night just know, based that, on what that, movie that, you that, choose that evening. That's an excellent insight and please take it into consideration. But I, I also have to say, if this is an example of how stories going forward here, you know, in the MCU are going to, slide back and forth between theatrical releases, limited series. I'm I'm all in. They move so assuredly with this. In fact, there I, I honestly I would argue there's nothing in this movie that setup that doesn't pay off. I mean, even the whole Wong thing, you know, it's customary to bow to the Sorcerer Supreme and yep. keep that going as a gag and then, but still use it as a grace note at the very end of the movie and just nailing home the notion that as scary as the Scarlet Witch is, Wanda is a grieving mom. By the way, let's talk about her exit. Well, it's not an exit because we know that she's signed for the next seven years of her natural life. So the only way that she gets out of this is if she actually physically exits this world. And she ain't doing that anytime soon. Therefore, she's still under contract and we'll see her again. Okay. How and why? I have no idea. Well, that's, it's so funny you said that because I, I have a quote I pulled from the Collider article where Elizabeth talked about her future as a Scarlet Witch. And she said, look, I sign extensions every time they want me to do a movie. It's, it's, it's always adjusting to me. I don't think of this as the end. Right. 
So yeah, red flash. I don't know. You know that the, the, she'll come back as a much thinner version after having the entire citadel collapse on her. <laughs> I'm sure something. There we go. There we go. So uh, there's a there's a few things that I did want to cover. Uh, there's Certainly. there's one. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, Jim. There's a conundrum afoot, and I don't know how many people have caught it yet. Okay. I'm kind of afraid to bring it up because mm-hmm. people might label me a nerd. Mm-hmm. Shot. All right, here we go. Okay. This is this is what I call the Ultron Vision Kids Conundrum. Mm-hmm. We're in what Universe Eight Three Eight or something like that when we meet the Illuminati mm-hmm. and such. Doctor Strange is brought in by functioning Ultrons. Mm-hmm. So if you have functioning Ultrons in this universe, you cannot have a Vision in this universe because in order to have a vision, you have to have an Ultron gone rogue and then make a thing and get stopped halfway and then have Thor finish the voltage Mm -hmm. off or whatever to charge up. Mm -hmm. And then we have a vision and that didn't happen in that world because we got functioning Ultrons. Mm -hmm. So no vision, no vision, no kids with Wanda in that universe. Therefore mom cannot exist in that universe with kids. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have ruined this for everybody. I just thought it should be brought up relatively early uh, so we can get that out of the way. Wow. That is definitely a plot hole one could drive a truck through. Yeah. We'll move on. We'll move on to happier notes. Happier notes. Again, it's Indiana Jones lashing himself to the sub. Because subs never submerge, all right? Right. Yeah. No, they stay up the whole way as they're meant to. There we go. Um, Um, uh, The the cameo, we got to mention Bruce Campbell uh, real quickly. The reference for those that don't know what it is, is stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. (laughs) That that kind of joke. Yeah. Jim, that came back from this very did. first movie, yeah. was it? With, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Sam. So that's a deep cut callback going back to their first collaboration of Evil Dead where he had to fight his own hand. Fortunately, he didn't have to cut it off this time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the end credit shot, <sighs> super spoiler, when he finally gets done punching himself yeah. and he goes, it's finally over. <laughs> And then it cuts away to black. I, oh, that's a great gag. No, it's a great, you know, it, but, but again, it's just, I so love their collaboration. I so love their mm. friendship. I, you know, and, and the fact that again, you know, I was just watching the return the, to Oz the other, or excuse me, Oz the Great and Powerful League. And mm. he <laughs> also managed to get Bruce Campbell beaten up in that film as well. I mean, he really yeah. loves pounding on Bruce. Well, sure. That's a, it's a fun to do. He's got a chin for taking a punch. He's mm. got that massive chin. And while we're talking about Evil Dead, yeah. what did you think of, you know, remember when the Strange resurrects uh, Defender Strange and, and sends him... Uh, no, wait, hold on before that. Okay. Because you, you, you mentioned the Evil Dead reference. Yep. And I know where you're going with the zombie thing. Okay. But I'm going to I'm gonna back up before you get to the zombie. Okay. The camera movement, because Sam Raimi's got some signature things that he does. Yeah. But there is a spot where uh, Wanda838 is at home with her children, mm-hmm. and the camera is lurking behind the banister of the stairs, and it's kind of peeking around, and Wanda almost notices in it, and it lurches back. Mm-hmm. Using the camera point of view as like a sinister entity mm-hmm. or monster is the thing that he did in in Evil Dead, where it raced across the ground. That was the evil coming into, you know, racing to the cabin to, to get him, yeah. right? So that is a Sam Raimi 
gag. That's one of his signature things is using the camera as a perspective of the evil entity that has no form or body or shape, which is a great gag. Well, there's also this thing that Sam does that I love. It's kind of a a 30s montage thing mm-hmm. where it's like the giant heads, you know, like there'll be one head in one quarter of the frame and another head in the middle or, you know, and then another off to the side. But it's all yep. different characters doing things that will impact the plot the very next scene simultaneously. Yeah. By the way, I, we also need to mention Danny F. Elfman's amazing score for this thing. By the way, uh, Danny, I'll never work with that son of a bitch ever again, Elfman. Yeah. He, he did that once with Sam. Yeah. I'm glad they patched it up. Uh, a- that was all because uh, he, he had gotten so happy uh, with some temp music mm-hmm. for Spider-Man 3. Uh, Sam Raimi did Mm -hmm. and Danny Elfman's like you got to pull that I I write this beautiful wonderful and Sam's like no 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 this is great and man they fought over it and ruined a friendship I'll never work with that son of a bitch again and then they patched it up I'm so happy all right well back to Mr. Raimi and again the 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 scene where zombie defender strange is trying to Mm. to get to the citadel to to help you know to, to save America and he's then the demons that you know he's you know, again, your abomination. We're going to pull you down to hell. And it's like, tell me that those weren't the most Sam Raimi demons. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. There was a moment, let's see, when the uh, when the girl who was a part of the, uh, the magic group, I don't remember their specific name, but mm-hmm. she stabbed the book and she immediately burned to cinders and whatever. And I was yeah. like, is this Drag Me to Hell? The ending of Drag Me to Hell? This looks a lot like that final shot. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, there was some... Fantastic. Oh, but well, by the way, while you're talking about zombies, I have to bring this up, yep. and I'm sorry, it's a nerd thing once again. I, I'm getting geek all over people this week. I'm sorry. You got to wear your tarps like a Gallagher show, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, when, when we're talking about a zombie, I also had this problem in Batman uh, movie when they had uh, Two-Face as a character. Mm-hmm. Same same problem with Doctor Strange zombie is he's missing the cheek, mm-hmm. all right? So you can't make a, a P sound. You can't do a, 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 a plosive oh. because you, your air leaks out of the hole out of the side of your face. So his dialogue should sound like this. Hey, Erica Chavez, you really got to so erratic because this is really bad, okay? I mean, this is super, super bad. And we got to do something really quick. Otherwise, a whole world going to end. That's how it should sound when you're missing half your face. Once again, uh, this is why I do this show with this man, folks. Kind of notes just, for sound designers. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. A couple. Of, we, or, do you have any more points? That I got like uh, no, two or three. No, no, no. Please continue. The thing I truly love the most is when Doctor Strange was fighting the Doctor Strange in the in the universe that was colliding and coming to an end, and they were using sheet music mm-hmm. and the musical score yeah, of their blasts. That was an interesting, uh, a genuinely different battle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. You know, I mean, we saw Gandalf go against you know his nemesis, where they would swing their staff in the air, and the other person would kind of float away and go, "Arg, you hit me mm. two points against my battleship." Mm. And uh, this was, you know, you got to keep it visually interesting. You can't just let Doctor Strange be a couple of circle shields around his hands. Mm-hmm. You got to do something that's fun and visually bold. And when he grabbed the sheet music. 
and he started flinging the notes. And then the other Doctor Strange created a staff to capture the notes and put them on it and then blast a musical chord back at him. There was so much stupid fun in that, like, 20 seconds of battle Mm -hmm. as a sound guy. I was just drooling all over myself. Like, if I ever had Mm -hmm. a job to do that, I would consider it the peak of my career, that moment right there. That was freaking artistry. And I applaud whoever worked on it. Genius, genius, genius. Mm -hmm. And on a smaller note of audio, Mm -hmm. well, we haven't really talked about the third eye a whole lot. But when it when it opens, Mm -hmm. there's a screaming guitar. It's almost like Wayne's World. Wayne's World. It's it's just this screaming Ingwie Malmsteen guitar type thing that happens. Notice that now I'll have to go. Well, I was going to go back anyway. You know, um, it's like I enjoyed it that much. I mean. Again, just economy, confident, even the mid-credit scene, you know, just walking down the street and Charlie turns around, Charlie Theron says, Dr. Strange, there's an incursion, come with me. You know, Do you want to mention who Charlie's is playing? Well, yes, please, Clea, is that? Yes. Okay. And then she ends up becoming the wife of Dr. Strange. They end up getting hitched at some point down the road is why people care about Clea. Mm-hmm. Is this is the introduction of, of his bride-to-be, if things go well, in the 616, that is. I would assume, given that we are a half a billion dollars in, and we haven't officially done seven days at the box office, I, I would say that Charlize can, can maybe start clearing her schedule. Well, I mean, was it Mara Jade wasn't the Luke Skywalker's wife, but she started off as hunting him. Oh, they were nemeses. That's true. And then they fell in love mm-hmm. through their battles. And then they became united. Uh, so it could be one of those things where they, you know, they're antagonists. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like moonlighting, you know, where Sybil Shepherd doesn't get along with Bruce Willis and they kind of fight, but that's kind of hot. Mm-hmm. I'm going way too back on that. All right, let's wrap up the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, I just have to say, on the heels of Moon Knight, I, I, and and given how good Multiverse of Madness was, just remember, in four weeks' time, we get Ms. Marvel debuting on Disney+. Plus. I, I have to say now that I am putting Kevin Feige in the category where if this man calls me at 3 o'clock in the morning and says, hey, I need a ride to the airport, I am literally, hang on, let me go get my car keys. Mm. They have delivered so much consistently high-quality entertaining stuff that, you know, I'm, yes, I've been giving him money, you know, the Marvel Susan money for movie tickets and DVDs and Blu-rays, but it's just, I'm in the red here. I, I, I owe this guy. I owe it. So seriously, if Kevin, you need somebody to move your barbells up to the attic, you know who to call. I mean, Sam Raimi is now directing MCU movies. And- well, I mean, the, like I said before, like the structure, part of the brilliance of this is, you know, over the last 10 years, he's been teaching us a language that's called Marvel. Yeah. And we can hit the ground running in a Doctor Strange 2 movie. By the way, mm. when I was 20 years old, yep. I never thought Doctor Strange could have a cool movie. Let's start there. Okay. They did that the first outing. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they could have a Doctor Strange movie be cooler than the one that they had, and they did. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually much, much, much better than the first one. And that's usually pretty rare with a sequel. I agree. And But but uh, just let's let's end this on... on I'd love to, to share information like this. So Benedict Cumberbatch is out there doing 
interviews for Multiverse of Madness and the folks at Total Film ask him, so we saw Doctor Strange will return. Are you returning? And he's like, I'm not tired of it at, at all yet. You know, I really enjoy playing this character and I've, I've still got a lot left to give as him and a lot more adventures I want to have with him. So the money has been really good. That's usually a thing that we don't talk a, about, that, but is yeah. usually there present. Yeah. 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 Checks can't hurt. And Cherry on the Sunday this past week, they had the penultimate episode of Amphibia on Disney Channel, and they slipped in a sneak preview of Marvel's new animated series, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And that looked great, too. So it's like okay, a cool. really good time to be a Marvel fan. Life is good. So that's that's going to do it for this week's fo- show, folks. Uh, Aaron, can you tell the nice folks where they can find you on social media? Because, by the way, I did not need to see that Spider-Man video you shared. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> There are certain things, things went bad, huh? You you cannot unsee, and it was like no, you can't. Oh, oh! So. <laughs> but it was so funny. It's shockingly funny. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. in a wood chipper okay. sort of way. Yes, but please. yeah, very much in a wood chipper sort of way. Right? Okay, yeah. So. If you would like to see the the gruesomeness, mm-hmm. uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Azaprop. By the way, I don't I don't mean to hijack the show r- real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I need because everyone does listen. I know that you know Feige listens. I know Jeff Bezos listens. Oh. Oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And I just need to tell him for a quick second, if you don't mind, Jeff, I needed a replacement toilet seat. I, I'm not refurnishing a freaking hotel. You can quit showing me ads. Okay. I bought it. It's fixed. I don't need 30 other varieties. And I don't need it in pink or chartreuse or wood or ceramic. So you can stop. Stop. I know of Thank what you. you speak. I don't understand why Pottery Barn feels the need to reach out to me five times a day. Have you purchased any pottery today? I, I, you know, you could purchase some pottery today. I, but has, have you gotten pottery for your wife? Your wife likes pottery. <sighs> yes. Children love pottery. Yeah. Have you broken pottery? You need to replace your pottery? <laughs> it, it's, I don't get it. It's like literally five times a day. It's like, you know, you, you would think the first 2,500 times I didn't click in your ad. Okay, maybe we can we can get back. No, more. He needs to see more pottery. They hear you talk about going to Target all the time. They're jealous. Oh, there we go. There we go. All right. All right. Where, hey, by the way, where can they find you on the social medias? Jim? Well, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Uh, beyond that, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now, a Marvelous Disney. Uh, and uh, oh, by the way, I should also mention, we have a couple of other podcasts here. We've got Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. We have a fine-tuning that I do with Drew Taylor. And we even have the uh, recently revived Looking at Lucasfilm, which I do with Brian Kong. In fact, we'll be recording a brand new episode of that this weekend. But beyond that, again, I'm a happy guy. I got a Moon Knight. I got a, a Multiverse of Bandits, and I got a Ms. Marvel. That's a lot of M's. But I'm happy. <laughs>